Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It's a Wednesday, MK. It's a hump day. It's the 25th of May, 2022. Hello, everyone. It is time for your daily dose of stupid combat sports talk. My name is Luke Thomas. I'll be doing a lot of the stupid sports talk right here, along with my partner and friend. And less, I guess, you know what? I think I'm redder today than you are. I'm more like Piggly Wiggly Hot Dog Pink. BC's looking a little more normal today. A little more like the beige guy he presents himself to be. It's Brian Campbell. What's up, BC? I, well, I will say, Luke, my riding mower breaking and falling apart has been the best thing to happen to my tan, though. So it's still holding strong, Luke, as I had to, had to push the mower, yes, the other mower yesterday. You know what I mean? You know you made it in life, Luke, when you can say the other mower, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like famous comedians when they get to a certain point, they're like, "No, that other bitch." You know what I mean? You know, keep her in check. I feel like right? you know? I feel like I feel like you've only really made it when you can say things like, "Yes, Farnsworth Bentley will go mow." Oh, Farnsworth Bentley's not available. Yes, my other butler will just yes. go deal with it. Yes. That's when you've really made it, not when Spal- you like Spalding. Take your foot off the boat. Indeed, yes, I'm with you. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, all right, on today's show, we, this is going to be a weird week, so let's set this up for just a second. Saturday, of course, is going to be Gervonta Davis, Tank Davis taking on Rolando Romero, a.k.a. Tank versus Roly. BC will be there. Unfortunately, I will not be there. You will be there on Friday as well, correct, BC? You know, I might even F around and be there on Thursday, Luke, if you're trying to get people my actual itinerary, all right? Brooklyn, All right, I'm just saying, you're covering that, so so there won't be a Friday show, but we will have something else in place of that. So here's the deal, folks. Uh, Friday show coincides directly uh, uh, clashing up against the uh, Tank versus Roly weigh-in that you're going to find on the Showtime uh, YouTube and, and social media channels. Uh, I will be hosting that with, with, a, with a variety of, of special, very special guests from the worlds of boxing, NBA, and beyond. So check that out for sure. But during your normally scheduled MK slot on Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern on the YouTubes, hey, if we can't be there in person, Luke... We might as well roll out some pre-taped greatness, right? Am I right? I Well, I don't know if you're right. We're going to find out if you're right, but that's what we're going to do. All right. <laughs> Episode 2 of Room Service Diaries 2.0 hits you right in that feel spot come Friday at 11 a.m. Luke, I know we have two clips to appetize what we're offering here. Are you are you into this? Are you going to, you know... Are yeah, you, you, I, I actually didn't see the first one, so if you want to set it up, by all means, set it up. Okay, look, who's our guest for Friday, the second ever edition of uh, the the finest casting couch in, of, in all of combat sports? You can find it right there in Jersey City. You're damn right. RSD 2.0, episode two. How about we go after an unbeaten UFC fighter, Luke, who's climbing the rankings... And really looks ready to make the type of large statements that I make each week in front of this microphone. His name is Sean frickin' Brady. Okay, brother? All right? And if you don't know already, he's coming for the rest of that welterweight division. So what does he think of the big names at 170? Like Chemaev, like the... Uh, look, let's, go, let's go to the videotape, motherfucker. Let's talk about some of these guys. What did you make of Hamzat versus Gilbert Burns? Man, it was... Uh, I. I seen a lot of people giving Hamzat shit because he had a tough fight. Like I feel like people thought Hamzat was going to go in there and fucking shoot lasers out of his eyes. Like he's not, <laughs> he's not, he's a human. Like he's, yeah, he's very, very good. And he mauled a couple of guys who weren't that good and skill. 
but Gilbert, like I knew that was not going to happen, like go down like that. I knew it was going to be a tough fight, and I knew Gilbert was going to take it to him, and he fucking did. And Hamzat looked great to go in there being number eleven to beat the number two guy. Like that's a big fucking jump, and he looked great. And how many people do you think could have done exactly what Gilbert did in that fight? Be that freaking savage and keep pushing that and take on that damage in our in our division. Not not that many. Um, Hamzat's beating most of the guys in the division, hundred percent. Mm. But uh. Not me, you know. Um, I think I can beat all these guys, and uh, I think we're going to go like this until we meet each other, and it's definitely going to happen. So part all right, that, that, got me, that got me fired up. That got me fired the hell up, Luke Thomas, all right? Yes. Do you want to share with him the other clip? Well, look, we, we got a great chat, uh, 90 minutes or so with Sean Brady, who's really, you're catching a guy who's coming on at the right time, ready to show the world who he is. You'll have that opportunity. If you're wondering if he, if we ask him about not only his fantastic tattoo work, but particularly his ass tats, yes, there's a segment for that in there as well. But Luke, we went a little bit further. I don't know how we stumbled into this conversation. Maybe it was the uh, toxins in our body leading us there, but... Um, because you're heavily toxinated <laughs> or intoxicated. Um, uh, but we did end up with making a tattoo bet with Sean Brady. Let's let's see what this is all about. I'll get, I'll set up the tattoo. Yeah. You come up. Showtime will pay. We will. Showtime will pay. <laughs> My boy Matt Landon will tattoo that us. Inks me. Yeah. We'll drink and we'll get tattooed. Yeah. And we'll film it. And BC, would you would you get tattooed? What will they allow me to put in my body before the tattoo process? You can starts? you can do whatever you want. You're not supposed to drink, but you can definitely get high. I know the tattoo artist. You can drink. Yeah, okay. Private. <laughs> you know, if it's we're a, it's out, a private studio. We can I drink. mean, look, you know, is Sean Brady only hanging out with us because we have cameras? That's a question. But if we get to that point, <laughs> if we get to that, and obviously because of the drug rugs, um, I'll do it. I'll man up. All right. I'll be that. You know, I once said 250,000 subscribers, and I'll get that ink. How about how about hanging out with? Hey, he beats Vicente Luque. I'm getting it. How about all hanging right. out with this unbeaten well? Deal. Okay. All right. Deal. That'll re we don't need them Brazilian nuts. That's already <laughs> raised my tea. Okay. Bro, could I look more like Will Ferrell in Elf sitting in that goddamn chair? I look I look awful. Uh, you know I can't comment on your personal appearance, Luke. I have my own opinions on that, but uh, the content though that we're putting out there that Sean Brady helped us create. What do you think about that? What do you think about BC? Indeed, the American Alpha manning up and saying, look, you guys know what I'm afraid of in life, right? Spiders, needles, you know, women with tattoos. That's really it, Luke, Are, are okay? you afraid of them or attracted to them? Because based on the things you tell me privately, I'm going to guess the latter. I, you know, I, I like to stay as ambiguous as possible, Luke, including sexually. Thank you. Uh, no, seriously, You're though, um... You're this, Ace is and me, Gary. this is me manning up and saying, hey, Sean Brady, you want to go out there and get yourself a big win? You want to uh, you want to meet the Showtime crew with the cameras? You know, where are we meeting? Vegas, Philly, wherever they can, wherever they do that ink, Luke. Yeah, I'll get one. OK, I'll, I'll man up. Maybe I'll maybe I'll bring those Brazilian nuts with me, Luke, just to just to. Uh, yeah, You're, I you can't know, wait to watch you cry. If I'm Vitor, I'm just selling a bag of nuts that says 2013 Vitor, and it just shows him on the cover sitting on top of the cage with the mohawk, having just removed Luke Rockhold or Michael Bisping or Dan Hendo from their senses, Luke. I'd buy the shit out of that product, I'll tell you that. But you can buy this, which is Sean Brady, Room Service Diaries 2.0, for free. All you have to do is tune in this Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern. So uh, I think we're building something fun here, Luke. I think the... Um, 
you know, the, the adulation, the viewership, that all, that'll all come in time. But critically, I mean, it's, you know, look, it's, it's a, it's a fucking slam dunk, right? Jam, right? Right, Yeah, Teddy? I mean, it's good. Jam. It's definitely good. It's definitely good. Um, so check that out, 11. And people asking, oh, we're going to get rid of the three days a week. Like, we're just trying to fit this in, in a cal- especially like with the calendar this week. Well, there is Tank versus Rolly, which is Showtime pay-per-view. But in general, it's a overall in terms of MMA and whatnot. There's not a, a lot of other MMA things going. Actually, I don't think there's any major MMA shows this weekend. So... Keep that in mind. Um, all right, let's remind folks, Showtime is the label that pays. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. Uh, let's see. You, we saw some of the lo- the lower thirds for it, morningcombat.store for merch. All different things you can get from there as well. Uh, and, BC, I want to remind everyone, old AG1 is back. Oh, yeah. Product that you and I use just about every day good for gut health energy and i don't like taking a bunch of pills and vitamins i get one scoop i get everything i need exactly and and it's back you know today in terms of us telling you about it but it's in my diet in my thermos here uh my water bottle every single morning luke one scoop uh we love it why because it, it, it makes you feel super healthy without necessarily tasting like it it's got a kind of mild tropical taste that dude, like I crave it. Like I wish I could go more than the daily allotted one scoop per day, Luke. I'm thinking about just straight mainlining this stuff. I love it. Okay, uh, no doubt about it. And of course, it's got a special blend of ingredients that focus, as I mentioned, on gut health, which is important for your boy, nervous system, immune system, uh, energy recovery, focus, and BC. Two th- uh, something that affects the both of us, aging. Yeah, yeah, we're aging quicker than we should in some ways, Luke. But, you know, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source superfoods, probiotics, all of that right into your system to help start your day. Easy to use. Um, I take it on my live show days. I take it on the road with the travel packs. Uh, convenience is the key, Luke, right? You don't have to inject yourself with anything. You don't have to sign up for a loan. How about taking some investment out, though, in your health with one scoop a day to help you get ahead of it? Because, Luke, you know what it's like to be an old piece of shit. It's it's hard to always make the right decisions. You know what the best decision I make every morning is, Luke? One, mm. to choose violence, but two, to choose AG1. All right. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting good. Remember what... Um, what uh, Arnold said in Commando when he was talking to Bill Duke when he drove that car through the storefront and he's like, Bill Duke's like, you know what I like best about it? The price, Luke, okay? Well, he meant free. And for you, for AG1, it costs what? Less than $3 a day? I mean, that's investing in your health. Cheaper than your cold brew habit. And Luke, I'll take it even further and tell you, brother, that Athletic Greens is this small micro habit that has big benefits. It's one thing that you personally can do every single day to take great care of yourself, Luke. Athletic Greens has now over 7,000 five-star reviews and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Yeah. So right, so right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And no need to read off a screen. Speak it natural right to the front of the camera because we believe in it. And to make it even easier, what has Athletic Greens done? They're going to give you, the listener, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs of this fantastic substance. Uh, With your first purchase, all you have to do 
is visit athleticgreens.com slash combat with a K. Sorry, slash morning combat. That's our damn keyword, Luke. Morning combat, all right? Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash morning combat to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. So there you have AG1. Let's get to it here, BC. Topic number one. The UFC 277 fight card was announced. We never really got around to it, so today is certainly a day where we could do that. BC, the card would basically be as follows. Now, of course, as we know, this will be July 30th. Uh, They are subject to change, but as it stands, there'll be the rematch between Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes. This, of course, will also be the finale or... You know, the, the the conclusion or whatever you want to call it, essentially, of the Ultimate Fighter season. Brandon Moreno versus Kaikara France for an interim title. Derek Lewis versus Sergei Pavlovich. Paulo Costa versus Luke Rockhold, although that might be moved back now to August, which we'll talk about. And then rounding out that main card, Magomed Ankalaya versus Anthony Smith. BC, I'm not sure where you want to start. Perhaps for the, just the news purposes, uh, Luke Rockhold telling Submission Radio just yesterday, the video came out this morning or late last night, where he said that Paulo Costa is trying to now move the fight back to August. Now, as we know, BC, usually if a fight is booked and it gets delayed like a month or something, maybe even a couple of weeks, there's usually like a small injury or the UFC is trying to mix and match other parts that may need a boost in terms of star power or card credibility. Luke Rackle seems to be very upset about it. What do you make of it? What his fight getting moved essentially? Yeah, essentially getting uh, getting delayed again because it's been delayed you know, before. I, without knowing the reason, I certainly don't like it. What I don't like about it is that it waters this card down, and this is the second pay per view in the same calendar month of July that UFC is doing. But it, it, it's starting to feel a little Rob Peter to pay Paul. We just talked about this international fight week card, Luke, which is like. Very good, but not great in terms of the consistency that we've known. Although it is deep, let's you know, there's there's obviously fights you want to see. We're going to be there, by the way, in Las Vegas, July second, happily. But the point is, now you're coming back with a second pay per view card the same month. And look, you know, we love the main event. We need it. The co main event shouldn't have that interim title. But even that aside, it's a rematch that we all want to see. But Luke, I, I think it's lacking that big time kick the door in type of I need to reflex you know knee-jerk reflex by this because this person is on the card i do think this pay-per-view card lacks it and now you're taking this rockhold fight which has hella intrigue in fact it's really in many ways sort of the perfect guaranteed action interesting fight big names that you throw on a card like this to boost it up and give it that extra flair uh if it's going to be missing this luke uh, right I mean, yeah, tell me I'm wrong, Luke. There's a no, little eh Because I, it, it wouldn't be clear what from the rest of the card you would sub in that could match it. There are other good fights on the card, but none of them have any relevance, I would say, to where Rockhold and Costa would be in terms of the the part of the middleweight division. So it would be Justin Taffa versus Dontel Mays, no. Drew Dober versus uh, Rafael Alves, no. Diego Fajeda versus Jakar Close, fine fight, but no. Ramiz Abrahima versus Michael Morales, no. Gion Kim versus Maria Agapova, no. And then lastly, Nikolai Negamaranu versus Ihor Potiera, I guess. I'm not sure how you pronounce that name. But uh, obviously, no. So you would do, there, it's a clear loss, and you would have to sub out something from another card to even get close to this, to your right, to your um, Rob Peter to pay Paul. Now, that's not been confirmed 100%, so that that, that still could have it. So in the event that this stays at, we introduced the possibility that Luke Rockhold and, and Costa might be moved. If they stay on the card, BC, give me a grade for that main card. Uncle Live Smith, Costa Rockhold, again, assuming that it stays, Louis Pavlovich, Moreno, Kaikar France, interim title, Pena, Amanda Nunes, full-on weight class title. What do you think? Okay, 
for a summer pay-per-view, I'm going to give it a B. And there's good and bad with that grade. Are you think, do you think I'm being too harsh, Luke? There, I, when you do two pay-per-views in a month, like I'm not asking them to be 2016 where they were trying to sell the company. And we got like a really good fight night card with a title fight with Eddie Alvarez on top on one night. Then a really good tough finale with, you know, the Joanna uh, Claudio rematch on the main event of that fight. And then we go into one of the deepest cards ever, UFC 200, the next night. I'm not asking for that. But for two pay-per-view cards in the same month, uh, if you combine them together, do you know what we have? We have a loaded summer blockbuster, typically in line with what we see on International Fight Week. So I'd be a little more happy of that. But if we're going to stand firm like we are right now, Luke, that's a B at best for this card. And I understand I'm complaining during a, a season, especially mid and post-quarantine, in which, God, UFC was not only the, the leader in all of sports, in combat sports for sure. You're always getting what you want. Well, this summer we're getting a little bit of watering down, Luke, and that's just the truth. It is. Yeah. I would say if you pulled stuff from this card and put it on 276, to your point, for International Fight Week, that card would be great. And it's not just that. Now, some of this wouldn't be solved, but you, would be, you wouldn't put everything from this main card on that summer blockbuster 276, which means you would have a little bit left to like fortify some of these fight night cards. Dude, some of these fight night cards are a main event and then LFA. Like It's just they're, they're barely, barely, barely UFC cards, or at a bare minimum, indistinguishable from high-level LFA or high-level CFFC from whatever you're watching on the screen. This, if you could move like... You know, Ankalaya versus Smith to a co-main event role on a fight night and then have Costa versus Rockhold on it or something like that. Dude, that'd be great. That'd be a great fight night card. Two, potentially three or four potentially fights you could have. That'd be of decent quality. But, dude, they're, they're pumping out a lot of these cards that have very... The, the only value to them is that it keeps the divisions moving. Those fighters get... Um, the fights that they need to have their contracts fulfilled, and the UFC puts up enough cards together to, to make ESPN happy over the course of their lifetime of deal. But like, are the cards designed to maximize consumer happiness? No, of course they're not. They're not no. even close to that. They seem designed to fill dates. So I want to ask you, like, being being understanding but being critical and, and direct. If who are people buying UFC two seventy seven for? Like. God, I want to see Pena Nunes up, you know, I want to see that bad I'm in, right? I'm your customer. I want to see it. There's history, there's intrigue, there's everything. But who is the casual fan buying this card for, in your opinion, Luke? The casual fan probably isn't buying this card very much. I mean, Juliana Pena is the champion, and she has put herself in a pretty tremendous position. She does have something of a name. I think that will matter. Same for Amanda Nunes, arguably the greatest fighter, women's fighter of all time, probably the one walking away. Um, but she is not so much a commercial draw and never really has been. Again, I think she's gotten a lot better over the years with that. I'm not saying this is some kind of character flaw. I'm just saying what does the market bear when she's in a headlining role? Not necessarily all that much. You look at the supporting cast. These are great fights. Brandon Moreno, Kaikara of France, Costa Rockhold, Ankalaev Smith. Like, dude, there's nothing wrong with any of these, as I mentioned, Derek Lewis. But none of those names are really the kinds of names, or none of these matchups are the kinds of matchups that really dial it up on, hey, are the casual fans interested? This is the hardcore fan delight, plus a little bit of that casual fan base. So again, casual fan bases exist in sort of concentric rings of how close they get to, to MMA center. Uh, you're not going to get the ones at the far end, the ones that only Connor can capture, or even John Jones, for that matter. This would be a step down from that as well. So it's still good. Don't get me wrong. Fight quality on the main card? The fight quality on the main card is actually pretty, really high. The casual fan base bait is next to nothing.
next yeah, month. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And again, you know, it's 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 the same month. We're getting two of them. But you are asking fans to pay for both of those right. when it probably could be one card. But, Luke, that aside, uh, this, along with the tough season placement, ha- has allowed Peña Nunes the, the best, you know, it's the best possible chance to be a commercial success and get everybody involved. Uh I don't know how to act heading into this. Like, I can't wait to see it. I really enjoyed interviewing Juliana Pena a few weeks back or a month ago, whatever it was, uh, when when the tough season was announced. But do you think by the time we get to July 30th that this could feel like a big-time rematch? Because historically, like, it is, right? I mean, even if this ends up... Even if you're a Juliana critic and hater and you're like, this is Matt Sarah GSP Part 2 about to happen. I don't necessarily think... You know, I mean, look, do I think at the end of the day it could happen? Yeah, I do. But the whole point is, even that was a massive must-see event. Do you think this fight will build to a fairly significant height through the vehicle of Tough and, and you know, giving them the placement that, you know, I'll say it, they deserve. This fight matters. Tough exists as an abstraction in my life. I don't really have a clear sense about who watches it or what kind of role it plays as a promotional vehicle. When it was doing big numbers on Spike or for a short time, FS1 or whatever it was, you could at least make some kind of inference about how much this would buoy the fighters who came from it, the overall vehicle itself, or any potential card. You know, like I, I talked about it before, like what was it, UFC, whatever it was, when it was Chuck Randy 2, that was the first first one post-Ultimate Fighter. It clearly boosted it at that time. It clearly, had a, clearly played a role at that moment. I don't know if it plays any kind of role like that. Again, I think it's yeah. just content for ESPN Plus and hardcores to stream so they can stay on site as long as possible. It's really it's just a usage thing for them. It's not really a promotional vehicle in that other sense. Now, between now and then, could this ratchet up to a war of words? Could there be, you know, uh, a big push after the 276 hangover and whatnot? Yeah, like there's a lot of there is some room I would say for the intrigue of this fight, the 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 ugliness, so to speak, of their rivalry and whatnot to boost it, perhaps more than just what you might assume here on May 25th. Fair enough. I think that's probably pretty real. We have two months, basically, before this happens. Oh, There's a sure. lot that could happen in that time. But the baseline of what could be expected from either or this rivalry in particular is not especially high in that sense. That's, that's what I would say. Two quick questions for you on the exit about this matchup, Luke. And it's early, but this is sort of an early look at it. Who do you think the fans want to win this rematch? Not that it matters much in this, but in terms of, you know, how the fans are looking at both brands right now of Pena and Nunes. And two, what do you think the UFC wants? If they had their pick in the war room of who wins what, if this is pro wrestling matchmaking, who would they prefer to win here? I think the fans would prefer Amanda, which is hilarious because I remember when they excoriated her for pulling out of her Shevchenko fight when she had sinusitis. Remember that? They were like, oh, I've had the cold before. It's like, bitch, Amanda Nunes would fuck you up, you loser. Well, dude, Dana you know, Dana also helped push that by being so critical and saying she'll never make yeah, event again, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'm just pointing out to the fans being like, I've had a cold before. It's like, dude, you're, you're not even one th- – you're not even a fraction of as tough as Amanda Nunes. But okay. That aside, I do think they want her to win because I do think since that time she has greatly repaired, a.k.a. you know, uh, created an image for herself that the fans have really – bought into which i think is not just an image it's there's a lot of reality to it which is hey this might be the best female fighter ever and so getting on the wrong side of that for fans is kind of a place they don't want to be and you know again she has assumed that mantle by virtue of this incredible win streak she went on 
For the UFC, I don't know how much time... It's a harder question to ask because they've invested a lot in Amanda and I think they want to see some of that pay off. You know, and, and you know, how, hey, we have the best women's fighter of all time, and she's also a belt holder. It's hard. I realize that she's a 145 belt holder, but what does that even mean anymore? Having that 135 title is a lot more prestigious than having that 145 title. Having both at the same time is even better. So there's yeah. an argument that they would want that, but there's also an argument that Pena, while she had missed a lot of parts of her career, is a little bit younger, I think. I have to check, I have to double check that. And, and if that is, if that is the case, let me double check. That there's a little bit more life that they could. Uh, 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 there's a little bit more left in her career at the top relative to Amanda in that scenario that they may want to play off of. But that's quite speculative. No, I agree, and I think you know it's hypercritical, but also understandable to say. I think Amanda has sort of maxed her commercial limit out, and she's done a great job of it, despite Darren Ravel's tweets, and give her all that credit. But. Not that I'm, you know, assuming it'll necessarily happen because Pena hasn't, even with the victory, has crossed over really only a bit. Look, they did put her on the Ultimate Fighter. She can talk. She can represent the sport. You know, she's got a pretty smile, but trash t- trash talking is absolutely a legit fighter on top of that and, and is aggressively going after what she wants. I'm wondering, you know, if they look at this and go, oh, she's younger and, and you know, that's the type of person, that's the type of uh, character we'd kind of want in these women's divisions right now to sort of stir things up. I wonder if that that's part of it too, Luke. I wonder if they would want her on top. Yeah, they might. I think that's a reasonable scenario. By the way, getting back to the question of age, it's not much difference. Here's the difference. Uh, Pena will be 33 in August after this fight, and Amanda Nunes is already 33, but will be 34, just turned 33. No, excuse me, turns 34 in five days. Not a huge difference. Not really a huge difference. A year and some change, almost two. Yeah, but mileage, you know, in-ring, in-cage mileage is different. On the- That's right. And I also, just at the stage Amanda's at, like, she has built and built and built and built. There's not much further she can go. She can keep on dominating in the space or winning anyway, but she can't really, like, climb to a new height, at least not in terms of the quality of her resume, um, she's already beaten all the best fighters she's probably going to beat. That's a little bit speculative, but you know what I'm saying? Here we are with Holly Holm, who is 40 and still, well, she didn't win on Saturday, but you know, you get the idea. She had two-fight win streak she was coming into that one on. So it is possible that, that the age is negligible, but to your point as well, BC, I agree that like there is a real big difference in mileage and stage of the career. And yes. so for that reason, perhaps Dunas has, uh, excuse me, perhaps Pena has a little bit more of the win at her back in terms of promotional favor. And to be fair, like you said, Holm didn't win, but she probably should have you know it wasn't a scenario in which the the rules weren't followed by the fighters you know she was offensive enough Luke and you know I really thought her combination of uh aggressiveness intention control and enough damage you know I, th- I thought it did enough to trump I know, you know but that's because damage. you have a tenuous <laughs> grasp of the scoring criteria you know I thought it you know I, I thought every everybody did their job maybe except for the judges in this case so uh <laughs> you know that's just me talking Luke I know other famous people have had that opinion too right you know you texted me them too you're like here this idiot sounds just like you but i'm like you know that's not nice at all luke uh bc real quickly on the rest of this card if we can here very quickly your level of and i'm being serious for a moment just for a moment ankalaya versus smith i know you have dog smith before but you would agree winner of this one i mean there's jan blahovich sitting out there but should the winner of this one okay let me ask you this way if the winner of ankalaya versus smith wins via ko or tko right should they be yes. the number one contender? You know, I've already said after that Jan victory, 
stating that I thought I saw enough in in the you know abbreviated ending there to to know that where Jan still is that I like him going right back into a title fight and I know that it's a it's a longer climb for Ankalaev if he should win or Smith would obviously make a another strong leap and would continue his win streak and would be in that conversation but I think either way and also let's you know you can also pair the winner of this fight against Ankalaev if you wanted to as well to create a true number 1 contender. I still think it, I'm, I'm sorry against Blovich. I still think it should be Jan that's just my personal opinion. Um but if you're asking me regarding related to the stakes here, yeah man. I mean, you know, it, the winner here spectacularly enough could even cut Jan in the line or get Jan themselves. Either way, they're getting a massive fight and Luke I like Anthony Smith's um little pushback he did. I, I I saw some clip floating around, maybe from his Bisping pod, where, you know, he was like, everybody's saying, like, it's a after the fact that Ankalaev's going to beat me, and the debate is, should he get the title shot or not? Like, hey, motherfuckers, like, I'm I'm still coming on. You know what I mean? So he didn't say that, Luke, but it kind of sounded like that spirit, and I like that about him. Um, This is going to be a good-ass fight. I mean, you know, Smith is going to have to gonna have to really bite down and, and, and sell out to, uh, to, or at least we think, to beat this guy, but... You know, he continually surprises me that Anthony Smith and it's showing me the the true moxie that he has that I sometimes overlook, Luke, just to crack a good joke on your behalf. But, uh, you know, now I guess I regret that a little because he's a he's a he's a sound man. And to find out that Dan Blazarian stole his family seats at the uh, John know, Jones. Would you fight, not was... want to see Smith like bust that dude's fucking nose? <laughs> it was watching porn. Pieces. So the Blazarian is watching porn on his phone while sitting next to. What Anthony Smith's mother or mother-in-law? While like, can you imagine what a degenerate you are to go to a, a MMA fight drunk and then while you're there you're so bored you're watching pornography on your phone? First of all, what kind of savage watches pornography on their phone? I know the answer is most of our audience, but I'm just pointing out this is not a <laughs> very good porn-watching experience. Most of our staff and at least half our hosts, too, Luke, okay? I know. Every time we look up and we're looking at the cameramen in studio and they're on their phones, it's 100% lock. They're on Eskimo tube. Oh, dude, um, no. They're on They're on IG and they're on that circle button when all the, all the chests drop, you know, jump out of your phone and all the all the booty for you, Luke. Yeah. You know that the circle button of hell? What is it called, that button? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm being dead serious. On IG, there's that search button, the explore button. Mikey says, "Yeah, yeah, you're there to explore." I'm just oh, there's I'm an explore. You mean like you mean the search button? Yeah, if you click that search button, whether you've you've you know you know the, our our staff has claimed that it's based on your yeah. So here's what happened. So BC search BC BC was showing us his search page. Like so, there's the home page, search reels, shopping, and then your and then your uh, icon for your own profile. He clicked on the search, and it's just like one big booty, you know, yes. what, what a woman after the other. And BC's like, this has nothing to do with my search history. BC, that has only to do <laughs> with your search history. You, you see Mikey, more my producer, he's like, oh, by the way, uh, mine only shows dogs. And I'm like, dude, don't talk about busty women like that. I mean, I've seen your phone, all right? <laughs> I've seen your thoughts, please. Yeah, I don't know, uh, Luke, all the... All these uh, all these European uh, female MMA fighters started appearing when I clicked that circle button. So I was just like, you know, there's, yeah, there's some, I bet they did. Someone's I bet hacked they did. my phone. Yeah. All right. Uh, topic number two: Shevchenko. Speaking of 135 BC, is interested in the Pena Nunes two winner. I don't know where this quote is from, but the quote says it's on a move Ariel. back. It's from Ariel, Ariel show. Hawane. Excuse me. From the MMA Hour on a move back to 135. Quote: I think so. She said. There's always the chance. Definitely the bigger fight, the better. 
I think it's just on standby before July. This is where they book the rematch. I think it's inevitable. Or if she loses, it will be with Juliana Pena. We fought Juliana a few years ago. I submitted her with an armbar. Now people are definitely bringing up her name more frequently. I think by the end of the year, it's going to be a good fight. But we also have to see. Misha Tate is coming to 125 in July. So many things can happen. Many things can change. So yeah, I think it's possible. It's very, very, very possible. Yeah, BC. I mean, we've been over this a little bit, which is to say they're going to give Tyler Santos the title shot at 125 against Shevchenko, which is fine. You couldn't really look at the rankings and find someone who is at present a better candidate for it. But the problem, as we also noted, BC, was you, you've already eliminated the number one, number two, number three, and number four contender pretty thoroughly. They have to go to number five to give a title shot. Yeah. You know, they're out of options down there almost. And this is an exciting look. Look, the one, regardless of who wins Nunes Pena, too, I think the future of that division over the next year is going to be really fun. This gets me fired up. And I think if you're the UFC, regardless of who wins this Pena Nunes rematch, I think it's time for Shevchenko uh, uh, for the winner, no matter what, right? If it's, if it's Nunes, then, you know, if it's, and if it's Nunes dominantly, then you sort of say, okay, first fight was an aberration. That's fine. She got her belt back. Let's now go right into that Valentina trilogy and let's bank it right now. And and I think the same case can be made for if Pena gets a second straight win because I think that Holly Holm loss potentially, you know, as close as it was and couldn't have gone either way, I think that hurt UFC's, you know, immediate future plans. I think if Pena won that, they would have loved to put Holly against her. Um, you know, you can argue not as much for a Nunes uh, Holly rematch in terms of interest. So I think either way, the door is open and it's time for Shevchenko, not just because everybody else at 135 has had their chances, Luke, but because Shevchenko's in a shitty division, more or less. And yet she's been fighting three, four times a year, like every quarter, just to keep that thing churning and running that, you know. She's already been through that list of contenders again and again. And I know she mentioned there that Misha Tate moved down and, you know, could be in play. And obviously that's a marketable fight. If Tatiana Suarez can never come back, we all want to see that. But there's nobody past Talia Santos for the immediacy that you're like, oh, no, Valentina must fight them. No brainer, Luke. The time is now. Valentina's right. Let's close out this year with a uh, with a super fight, dude. Because, I mean, could you, Luke, could you imagine if, and it's a very reasonable scenario, Let's say Amanda comes back and whatever happened in the first fight, the hiccups are behind her. And let's say Juliana also fights her face off, but Amanda wins, right? And you're like, damn, that's a real warrior. That's my goat right there, right? And then you fight Shemchenko a third time. And I know that people hate when we do this to fill podcast time, which is to constantly say, is this person the goat or the goat in waiting? Or are they number 13th on the goat list in this division over history? Who cares? You could, you could build that trilogy bout. As the winner's the GOAT. you damn right you could, Luke. You're damn right! You're ready to give Shevchenko that bump if she wins this in the third one? Yes, because let's be honest here. Let's talk about her losses. The first time against, uh, against Gorilla in basically the regional scene that was stopped because of a cut in, like, you know, shitty state commission, you know, the early days of MMA. Then we've only seen her lose to Amanda twice, including one fight where we're like, I definitely think I saw Shevchenko win that. And let's not forget the first fight, even though it was only three rounds, Shevchenko had figured her out in round three and was coming on. So the whole point here, Luke, is the only one she ever had trouble against on the elite level was the greatest of all time. And now if she comes back in a Marquez versus Pacquiao-like revenge here and gets that win over her... Okay, we never did see Shevchenko cyborg. Maybe in a perfect world, we still could. I don't know. But yeah, that's my goat right there, Luke. Because uh, 
I would don't think you'd be crazy right now if you wanted to say Shevchenko already is. It's a hipster take, but I think her talent is that freaking yeah, that is all a time take. great. That's no, a it's, Brooklyn, it's hipster as shit, dude. That's you a might Brooklyn, as well move to Brooklyn coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You might as well wear a winter cap in the summer, all right? You piece of shit, and roll your jeans up at the bottom. Yeah, I see you. That's it. You think Corey's a hipster, Manich? I love that guy. He's not in the country right now, though. We can talk bad about him. You think he's a hipster, Luke? Who? Cool. Manich, our guy. Manich is like a, like a, our, the backbone of this show. He's actually just cool, and we're not, so we can't. We have trouble differentiating the difference oh, between so like we automatically actually cool. Yeah, we want to sling the hipster sickle at him just because he's cooler than us. I get that. And younger, yeah, he is yeah, definitely no cooler doubt. than us. Uh, but look, I, I don't know that I would buy that I'm this is... Out there. I know uh, you I, do. I, I don't know that I would buy that this win by itself is enough to make Shevchenko goat, even if she wins in a third fight. I grant that it makes the case significantly stronger and certainly the debate much more interesting at that point. But I would say that, like, all the time she has spent, you know, fighting good fighters, but not like, dude, the run that Amanda Nunes had over oh, Rousey God. and Tate. And I mean, I don't yeah. think anyone, not even Cyborg, has a run as special as that one in all of, well, certainly men's MMA, there's been some pretty special runs. But in women's MMA, that's your best run through an opponent uh, sequence. That's your best campaign push ever, ever. Dude, here's the, quickly, here's the names on that win streak. Shayna Baszler TKO, submission Sarah McMahon, decision win over Shevchenko, submission win over Tate, knockout of Rousey in the first round, split decision win over Shevchenko in the rematch, then she stops Pennington, knocks out Chris Cyborg in round one, knocks out Holly Holm with a head kick in round one, wins a decision over Durandamy in the rematch, and then beats Spencer and Megan Anderson on the way out there at 45. Like, uh, good God, Luke, that's... God, that's, I mean, that's, there's no one even in the category in terms of like a stretch like that. Even on the men's side, it's very low and rare. It's like, well, John Jones and that time Anderson Silva destroyed everybody. You know what I mean? Like, damn, Luke. I know, but here's the problem. If she captures the 135-pound title and there's a 125-pound title, we know the score, dude. You can't keep both of them. So let's say that actually she does win. She gets a fight against Nunez. And again, Pena might win. I'm not making a claim otherwise. I'm just imagining a world where Nunez wins. Then they have this trilogy, and then Shevchenko wins. What would you rather her do? You're going to say give up 125, right? But isn't that the division that actually has at least, not presently, but perhaps long-term a little bit more promise? Yeah, I, I don't think they'd make or, her... Not more promise. 125 has more room to mature than 135 does. I'll put it that way. And I think if you're the UFC and you're smart, and they typically are, you'd have her, if there's another fight at 35 immediately, whether it be like a rematch or something that they can do right away, that would draw money, you do it, but then you kind of let her go back to 25 and do her thing. You're not going to strip her on day one. They'll figure out what's the best direction is. But um, I just got excited talking about the UFC women's bantamweight division. That hasn't happened in a long time, Luke. So um, I am looking forward to this idea. But could you imagine if they really went all in on, on the real idea, the winning idea, the BC plan of of adopting women's heavyweight between 135 and 155. That's actually one of your better ideas. And I really mean that. It is one of your better ideas. I mean, it's, you know, it's a little bit misogynistic in the sense that it's like, yeah, just have them big old girls swing on each other. We don't need no weight weight classes. But But in the other sense, there's actually real rationale to it, which is, hey, we have a finite amount of what's doable here. We'd rather offer them the option to fight under these circumstances than not. If there was some kind of method to make this all work, we'd be in favor. But a lot of it is, Dude. you ever seen them big old fat girls at the softball field hit them things a million miles? We got to get them things in the, in the, in the octagon. 
Look, was that, was that the clientele you went after in college? Look, we can talk offline on that on our Patreon show. I, that may or um, may not have been true. No, my, my, oh. my taste changed. In college, I was still interested in Southern Bells because I was a fucking idiot. So. What about softball catchers? Are you interested in them? All right, Luke, so here's the deal on that, though. I know um, you I, are. I know I had a good point. I know I was going to say something. No oh, one's ever dude, put lunch lady look, more in their pornography search terms than Brian Campbell. I mean, imagine we, we could have a we could have a true goat after that. Imagine like a round robin of at women's heavyweight. I know people will say that's going to give Kayla an inherent advantage, and you're probably right. But here's the deal: I want to find out who's the best of all time. Why not have Kayla Cyborg, Nunes, Pena, Shevchenko, Tate? Why don't they all just fight each other in this heavyweight division? We'll figure it out, Luke. I mean, I just print money. My ideas just print themselves onto paper, Luke. Okay. Do I say they? so much shit, I'd write my ideas on toilet paper, right? Like I got it's, it's, you know, it's it's that brilliantly dumb. You once called me that. I mean, that's what's what it is, Luke. Okay, but but uh, but damn, is that a good idea? I mean, just just smell it, Luke. Right? Uh, it's not a bad idea. It's really not. It's not. It's not workable in any kind of way, and no one's going to do it. But I don't. A little, you, you could do the old Jonathan Snowden idea, right? How the, is it not workable? It's the, uh, the old bar- barge fighting championship. Whose idea was that? Jonathan Snowden. Jonathan Snowden, like to get around lame U.S. laws, you just actually float a barge a little bit off coast till you're in international territory, and then just have fights under whatever rule set you want. You know? Yeah, I like it. That's that's Uh, what we all thought Fight Island was going to be, Luke. I know, and it was like, no, I'm just we're just going to work with a a, a dictatorial government. All right, uh, topic number three here, BC. All right, this is the big one for the weekend. There is one piece of uh, good combat sports action over the weekend, and uh, it takes place in the boxing side of things. This will be on Showtime pay-per-view. And why is it on pay-per-view? Because Tank Davis is here. Tank Davis, who I think is going to be setting a Barclays record, I I read, for a boxing match in that venue in terms of the gate. And when you think about that, that says a lot about who has been through there. Taking on Rolando Romero. BC, now, I, I, I want to be honest with the audience. I am, I am very much expecting an all-action affair. I am very much expecting an all-action affair for as long as it lasts. Don't know exactly how long it will last for a couple of reasons, which we'll get into. But I got to tell you, if I'm just being honest with the audience, I don't see any way Gervonta Davis loses this, dot, 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 short of just... I mean, you know, if he didn't train at all and or doesn't even try, he could lose. Short of that, though, I see him winning, and I see him winning in absolutely vicious, vicious fashion. What am I missing? You know, I, th- I think he's among the, you know, 10 or 12 best fighters in this game, pound for pound. So, yeah, I think the betting odds are reflecting what you're saying, that on at its core on paper, this is a perfectly competitive fight. We don't expect it to be, but that doesn't mean that, A, what I'm picking on is absolute entertainment and fireworks, which I think you're going to get in a slam dunk variety here, which is why this is a pay-per-view. I mean, even Tank said himself, I don't, he's like, I don't hate Roley. I don't necessarily want to make him money, but, you know, we kind of did this fight because he can sell it, right? He can talk that game. But at the very least, what does Roley bring to the table? It's, it's not just that puncher's chance, which is why he's in this fight, why he's unbeaten, even though, you know, we thought he lost to Jackson Mourinho's. I think he did, but he got he to, you know, give scorecards in some ways. But I think either way, whether he lost that fight or not, he's got not just the puncher's chance, but like the crazy chance. 
aggressive brawlers chance. I mean, there was a time, and I'm not saying this is an equal comparison, but there was a time when Vernon Forrest finally summited the welterweight scene and beat Shane Mosley twice, and we were like, damn, this guy this guy might be the pound for pound king, Vernon Forrest. Like, he's unbelievable. He's a long welterweight who can box, but man, he can punch when he gets inside. And then he fought Ricardo Mayorga, and, you know, it was one of the greatest sort of upset, fun moments in in the last 20-something years of boxing because Mayorga's crazy and because he smokes a cigarette and drinks a beer in the post-fight interview. I mean, all that stuff is great. But he's that... Roley's almost the modern-day version of what Mayorga was, what Marcos Maidana was for that season when he got to the level of fighting Floyd twice, which is, do they have limitations as boxers? Yes. Is there certain... Does, you know, the, does the fight have to go their way to potentially win? Of course. But that brawling street side of them, which we don't normally factor into the X's and O's in, in previewing a fight, right? In a, a boxing match, that street side is so dangerous. I mean, Mayorga went in there, lured Vernon Forrest into a brawl and knocked him the hell out. I mean, it was it was wild to see. That's got to be Roley's you know, path to victory, but it's not impossible. And I think the All Excess team, uh, you know, Showtime's documentary series did a sort of great job of taking a snapshot behind the scenes and in the ring of who Roley is and why he has this confidence. He is physically a lot bigger than than Gervonta, who's sort of, you know, fighting in weight classes 135 and 140 that are a little bit above his head in terms of his height and actual size. Um, you know, he's been able to float around to different weight classes because he's so great. But Roley's going to have that puncher's chance. And, you know, uh, you can make the case you just did, Luke, that no matter what version of Roley walks in there, he's still going to get knocked out. And that, that just might be because Gervonta's that good. But the road to finding that out whether that road is one minute long or, you know, surprisingly six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 rounds, whatever happens. You can't tell me it's going to be boring, Luke Thomas. And no. I love the reason why I've just sort of grabbed on to Roley and I'm interviewing him later today. And I just sort of I get excited when he's on there, not, not at the allegations against him or, or some of the things he says. But he's like the, uh, the movie villain come to life, Luke. We, we need wild cards like this in the game. But I'm saying don't count him out completely. He's going to go down shooting, and he might he may hurt Gervonta on the way to get knocked out, Luke. It's going to be fun to see. I mean, this is sort of my view on it. Like, It's not just that I think there's a gap between Davis and Romero in terms of boxing ability, although there is a gap between them, and it's a pretty significant one. But that by itself, so what? Like, There's lots of big gaps. Like That by itself would not give me the, the, the evidence I would need or the ammunition to have this opinion. The thing that gets me, and I think this is the part you have to acknowledge, Romero often fights in a way that is not um it's not merely that he is less than risk averse he is reckless he is reckless at times and and when i say reckless i mean like for long stretches of times so it's like here's the thing about that i think that that does elevate the chance that some of his better heavier punches will land i will i will i will acknowledge that however it also greatly increases the chance that Tank Davis, who is as verified a power puncher as we have in this game, pound for pound, BC, you would argue maybe top three of our, the current games, pound for pound best, pound for pound, right? For Absolutely. Power and, he went up, and by the way, when he did go up to 140, he stopped unbeaten Mario Barrio. So yeah, the power is absolutely for real. So his power is legit. I get that there is this increased chance that Romero could land, and that matters, and I take that seriously, especially on the other side if Tank Davis has taken this one lightly. On the other hand, 
fighting that way against someone who is as skilled and as powerful a puncher as Tank Davis, if those big punches don't land or they don't have the desired effect, let's say, dude, (laughs) he's going to find the chin. Ask Leo Santa Cruz, and when he does, he will fucking decapitate him. That's the part for me that I just I can't not see. Absolutely, Luke. And God, I mean, this could this could end very badly for Rolly. There's Dude, no doubt. And I was like, look at but this face off, but- bro. Like, I'm not saying Romero's acting. But I know for a fact Tank Davis is not. I can tell, dude. Tank Davis is from a rough part of Baltimore, dude. When he is in your face like that, he is meaning everything he says very, very naturally. Very naturally. Oh, yeah. Tank Davis. Well, that's, see, here's the weird thing about Let me let's, let's talk about that. So to close on Roley, everything you said true, but that was also Leo Santa Cruz at his highest weight of 130. This is Roley at a weight that he's probably a little bit too big for, in all fairness. So... If, if Roley can take more punishment, direct punishment, than some of the guys that have stood up against Tank can, maybe he lingers like, like Mario Barrios did and was in that fight. I mean, he's awkward as shit. He, everything is thrown with harsh intention. It's crazy. But to get to Tank for a second here, Luke, I feel like there's still a lot of... And may, maybe this fight ends up being huge for Tank for a lot of reasons because... I did listen to him on the on the Brian Custer uh, the Last Stand podcast that Showtime does, and you know Tank did address the 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 drama with uh, uh, Mayweather Promotions and just saying, look, it's not so much drama as I've just grown up and I'm ready to go on my own. So this is my last fight with them. I'm not saying goodbye to them or you know PBC or Showtime, whatever. You know, like like in a negative way, just I'm ready to go out on my own. And I think if you're Tank, you should, especially because. If there's any criticism against Tank, for the most part, people say it's the matchmaking and he doesn't consistently challenge himself enough or maybe he doesn't speak up enough to to make those challenges happen. Well, you go on your own, you step out from under the Floyd shadow, you're, you know, the criticism's going to fall on you. So it's good. Put that in your own hands. But um, it could also be interesting for Tank because I still, you know, talking to other boxing writers or fans or whatever, like, there's still a lot of people who don't like Tank. But Luke, I think it goes, like, to a level where... They think when 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 the get, when the going gets tough, when Tank finally gets into a war, they don't necessarily believe that he's going to be you know as durable or about about it or or willing or able to to get through that. And I just don't see that criticism of Tank. And it's not just coming from West Baltimore and wearing that like a badge in terms of what he's been through to get here. And you know he still lives a life that there's issues outside the ring here and there for sure. But dude, if you're going to beat Tank Davis. I don't think it's because he's going to implode is what I'm necessarily saying. I don't think everybody gives him his due as a boxer, which lend, you know leads itself lends itself to him always being mm. sort of like on the outside looking into the pound for pound debate, even though if you're really looking at the definition of pound for pound, this guy's fighting in like three different weight classes and beating top guys. I get we all want him against better competition consistently. No question. No question about that. But like, I think there's a lot of people out there who just question if, Tank is really that dude. Like he's really got that backbone. And um, so, hold on. Let me ask I, you a question. I don't think that's ever going to be ask you a question. In, let me ask you a question in, in in direct line with the argument you're making. Let's imagine a scenario on Saturday where two things happen. One, it's pretty clear that, and you know, this is a guy who's you know lost his weight on uh, his title on the scales, as you indicated, and had, he's got a jury trial coming up for a series of crimes he's alleged to have committed. Let's say he comes into this one unmotivated and, let's say, relatively speaking, unprepared. Again, I'm making a huge assumption here, but let's just say. And two, Romero surprises us all by trying to box smart, smartly. What happens? Well, his version of boxing smartly would still have to be 
offensive and explosive, right? I mean, he's not a Roley Romero's not a pure boxer to the level that his trainer Bullet Cromwell, <laughs> he prefers to be called Bullet, uh, basically says we don't train for boxing like we train for uh, assault, like we train for like dude, uh, you know. And and to be dude, fair, Rolly is a weird guy, bro. He's a weird guy. Yeah, to be fair, like Rolly's tough to deal with. Like when when you're not especially when he's potentially bigger than you in terms of frame because, you know, he'll throw lead elbows and he'll maul you. He'll basically turn it into, like, an MMA fight in a lot of ways. But they're not training to win but I, rounds, but I get your point. If we see a more calculated performance from Romero than we think is possible, mixed with what you're saying, could this just be a fight that, you know, Tank is looking past or maybe he's just completely underestimating Roley because Roley is a clown. Let's be fair, he's a clown. He's an entertaining clown, but he's a definite clown. That's all possible. The drama with, with the Floyd thing, the impending charges, all that could be a cloud. Does this make this a potential trap fight? I say yes, it does, Luke. Again, Roley's not a guy you want to F around with, right? Like, if he ha if he ends up having a world-class chin, Roley Romero, this is going to be interesting for as long as it goes, right? I'm telling you, if his chin is better than we think it is, um, and it's and it's potentially a, a, a an off night, yeah, there's a trap element for Tank here. But on the flip side, Luke... Tank probably won't get the respect if he rolls through Roley because people expect him to no matter what. But I, I think there's just always so much extra criticism put on him. And again, maybe it's because he gets in trouble outside with the law. I mean, he got caught on camera striking a woman. I mean, like, it's not good, right? But I think sometimes, Luke, that mixed with the Floyd connection where people sort of, you know, feel like sometimes Floyd carries him, whether it's true or not. Um, I don't think Tank ever really gets his due into just how great of a fighter he actually is, versatility, uh, daringness, like everything across the board. I don't think this fight stamps that home, but I hope it takes it closer because uh, he's absolutely legit. And if going on his own, like I mentioned earlier, leads to him getting the type of fights he he deserves, like the winner of Haney versus Cambosas, for example, then then I'm all for it here. Okay, but then answer this question, because this would tell us everything we need to know about Romero. If Romero somehow wins, and I don't mean by like some crazy judging or crazy refereeing, but like actually beats him, what does that do to everything? Because we saw Cambosis beat Lopez. That turned everything a little bit upside down for a moment in time. Now Haney's going to fight him in Australia or whatever. We'll see how that goes. But it definitely impacted the division about how we understood it. So what happens if Romero does what I consider to be super unlikely, but certainly possible? Uh, I think you press pause, meaning it's potentially massively damaging to who Tank is going forward in a lot of ways, but you would pause because you'd have to do a rematch, and there would be big money, it'd be a big deal, especially if Roley shocks the world, and you're like, oh, crap, is Tank ever really that guy? BC just yelled into the microphone that he thinks he actually is. Well, you got to prove it inside the ring, so let's see. Um, I think, you know, we give fighters, in a lot of cases, that mulligan or that gimme. Okay, we saw you lose, but get the immediate rematch. Go take care, you know, GSP, take care of Matt Sarah. We, we forgive and forget. He'd get that opportunity, Luke. Would, would it take away some of the Superman luster that he carries? Of course. But it's obviously hugely potential damaging if it begins a... A, a a you know stretch of going in the wrong direction and and you and if you're rolling you're probably gonna have to beat him twice but you're probably if you're rolling more than willing to because you want the smoke you want the big money and the big opportunity and this is certainly that form uh your likeliest let's do predictions your likeliest outcome of this fight is what Gervonta Davis by knockout is most likely and that could come through pure domination that could come through one punch 
that can come through him. It could be a war and Gervonta has to go through hell and wear and wear down the bigger fighter late. That it could absolutely come in any of those forms, Luke. But mo the best bet, the most likely is Gervonta Davis by knockout. He's I don't have the odds in front of me. He's got to be a huge betting favorite just in the disparity in terms of overall skill. I mean, let's not forget, again, Gervonta's in or around that pound-for-pound -pound discussion because he's really that good. So in theory, he should win this. I'm not here to say there's strong money on the upset, although I do understand the potential for that trap sort of angle that we just cut the possibility of, Luke, which needs some other factors along with it. Although, again, we've seen it before in somebody like Mayorga, who would you have ever guessed on your life before Mayorga upset Vernon Forrest that he could be on that level? I never could have. Um, sometimes you just have to see it with your own eyes. So I like Gervonta as much as you do, Luke. I just think that there's going to have to be some negotiating going on in terms of how he deals with the physicality of Romero. And because Romero's cadence and timing is just so awkward. I mean, he throws a lot of sidearm stuff. He throws it squaring up. I mean, there's a lot that Roley does that's just going to be hard to get used to. Uh, I, I like this to be an action fight. I, you know, both guys could, could hit the canvas. Seriously. But at the end of the day, Gervonta Davis is going to stop this guy. And it's probably going to get... Uh, it's probably going to be fun to watch because of the seemingly real heat between them. I know Gervonta says it's not real. It's just business for me. This guy just talks his shit. But I think Tank knows how to... Uh, knows, I think if, if, you can, if anyone can press Tank's button for real, Luke, it is Roley. And I think that's going to amp it up once they, once they start trading punches in there. Yeah, I think the problem for Tank is that he doesn't view Romero as an adversary in the way Romero views him. He, I, think, I think Davis views... It's a trap fight in this sense. Davis views himself as categorically a different level of both star, boxing, you know, life achievement, you name it, that Romero is here by virtue of a series of lucky circumstances and nothing more, and that Davis has to pay this tax, so to speak, to preserve his status, almost like a mandatory, but not really. Uh, and so there is animosity in that sense, but there's not animosity in the sense of this is a rival, um, Davis does not view him in that way at all. Not, none, none, none whatsoever. So, something to I'd think agree about. with that. I'd agree right. with that. For uh, by sure. the way, also yeah. on this card, uh, real quickly in the co-main, Arislandi Lara is still around, taking on Gary O'Sullivan. Can you set this one up for the fans at home? Lara has had a pretty decorated career, but where is he in his career at this stage? So he's in the twilight, but he's still dangerous in this twilight. What I mean by that is he moved up to 160, kind of just looking for new opportunities. Lara's always been willing to fight anyone and everyone, right? Like, he ended up getting that Canelo pay-per-view kind of because he crashed Canelo's press conference the fight before and grabbed the microphone and was like, with all due respect, Canelo, I think I can beat you. And that... That was the way to Canelo's heart because it pissed Alvarez the hell off and he got that fight. But what I'm saying is he was always willing to move up and fight Triple G. He just couldn't get, you know, he couldn't get the get it done. He, and he was willing to move up and wait to do that. We saw the end of his great junior middleweight title reign, which, ha you know, had stretches before and after the close Canelo loss uh, in which he, he started to slow down. And the good news for us as fans is him slowing down meant he was forced to, you know, fight or flight, right? And he would choose fight. He had the fight of the year split decision loss to Jarrett Hurd. That's just incredible. He had that draw with Brian Castaño where, you know, when Lara has to bite down and fight his way out, dude, he's not only capable, it's fun as shit to watch. You remember that brawl he had with uh, Alfredo Angulo, which was surprising at the time, but like, Lara, Lara is about that when he has to be. He wants smoke now at middleweight, Luke. He's having trouble 
attracting those names, and most of them are outside of the PBC, especially because it looks like Jamal Charlo is moving up. But he's fighting Spike O'Sullivan, who's who's a name, fought top-tier competition before, can talk a little bit. He fought Mungia on DAZN, right? Absolutely. But, That's right. You know, I remember Spike's, that one. Mungia pasted, pasted him, though. I mean, if Lara's still Lara, he should, e- you know, somewhat easily put it on Spike O'Sullivan. But the good news is O'Sullivan comes to fight. So, uh, you know, there is potential for that action. But I like Lara to slice him up just as easily as he had that last mismatch against um, Cornflake Lamana, where the first punch seemingly Urslandi threw, he got a first-round knockout. But, Luke, could you imagine an old Lara in the sharpshooter role as a smallish middleweight, knowing he's going to have to fight a little bit? Like, that's going to be a fun version of him to watch. Yes, it could be. It could be. Also, I'm so used to seeing Lara on the back foot, which I guess O'Sullivan's going to try to do. But I don't think he's going to be able to do it for a whole lot of time. I think Lara's going to eventually either catch him coming in or the roles will be reversed, actually. So it'll be nice to see Lara, Lara excuse me, in something more of an offensive um, opportunity. I'll put it that way. A little bit, little bit more opportunity. Because against Canelo, his margin of error was so thin. And you could still argue that he beat him. But you just can't make mistakes against Canelo in the way that you could probably get away with making them against O'Sullivan. So that should be kind well, of his interesting mistake, as well. His mistake against Canelo, what I think, was ultimately lack of activity. That was really it. Because the moment, like when you watch highlight reels I mean, of the, either guy's success... Is Canelo is a very effective counterpuncher or catch-and-shooter. Like you got to be real yes. careful about when you throw. But the thing is, he made Canelo chase him, and he made Canelo chase him unsuccessfully. So the optics looked really bad, which I think helped Lara's favor. But when you don't throw enough to leave no doubt, you know, and a fight is that good and that close, you know, it's Lara's fault in the end. But when you see just the highlights of the success he had, dude, he was piecing Canelo up with those left crosses. I mean, he was absolutely giving Canelo, you know, trouble, which which was fun to see at that time. But um, I, I love Lara. Good to see, Luke. Good to see. Speaking of Canelo, though, right? Uh, Speaking of Canelo, let's get to it now. Topic number four. It was announced yesterday, although a venue not to be was not announced. Said it's to be determined. They did show like pictures or B-roll of the T-Mobile Arena. I think that's where they probably want to do it. But September seventeenth, which of course is designed to coincide with uh, Mexican Independence Day, Canelo will fight Triple G for the trilogy. BC, the sports betting uh, odds makers have opened it up with Canelo as about a minus 350 favorite. Triple G at plus 260. Boy, that is not that much. Let me ask you this. A, your impressions of what to expect the third time. If Canelo had defeated Bivol, which we'll talk about why he didn't take that rematch, where would the odds be for this one? Wider. Uh, that's a great way to frame it. And I did that quick little reaction video yesterday. Uh, but, the you know, my biggest points coming out of that were just kind of what you asked me. Whereas I don't think that we would have cared about this fight on the level, nor had the uh, opportunity to imagine it potentially being as competitive as it might be had we not just seen Canelo humanized against a fighter who, let's be fair, fights in a very Triple G style in Bivol, who showed Canelo no respect through combinations, got inside, you know, with with his jab, but worked well from that middle distance and the longer distance as well. I mean, it was just clinical from from Bivol in terms of the execution. Um, Triple G's, you know, 40, and is a little bit past it. No one's questioning that. But in terms of, like, the, the, the being as interested as you could be for this, Luke, I would say if Canelo hadn't lost to Bivol, I would have been like, ah, oh, man, I don't know if I really want to see Gennady get hurt. Because the expectation that it, right now is that pound-for-pound pound version of Canelo could, could eventually stop 40-year-old Triple G. Um, every great warrior 
still has one one more left in them to pour out that jug and, and kind of elevate themselves one last time to put up the best fight that they have. When you add in Luke Thomas, the the dislike between them, the fact that these are, you know, this is Triple G's only career defeat he's trying to avenge, and now all four super middleweight titles, so that adds another wrinkle on top. I'm not saying this is going to be Marquez Pacquiao 4. Dude, but boxing those, has you by the balls. It's but those unbelievable. Parallels, dude. <laughs> those parallels are enough to get you to go to the theater and buy the, the 18th sequel of Rocky, right? Like, you're just like, I know I've seen this before, but yeah, Luke, this gets me more interested. And I think it's there's always going to be interest on the casual fan level, which is the hardest fan base typically to crack. But for the case of Triple G Canelo, I think that's that's a slam dunk with casual fans because guess what? This rivalry is one of the rare modern pay-per-view brands that have delivered your money on pay-per-view, like above and beyond. It's They've been two all-action classics, right? Just brilliant fights. This third one, you get older, you get older rivals together one more time, you typically get the most action that you get in the series, but because it's the last in your normal final chapter of these rivalries, you tend to also get the, the older fighter of the two, you know, could be close to going. And that's that's still in play with this, Luke. But would you agree with my same level of optimism slash just raw, rabid love that the Bivol fight kind of made this this look like a, like a big deal again? I'd say that the fact that he lost to Bivol the way that he did um, gives me perhaps a little bit more confidence in what I would have ordinarily had for Triple G this time around. With you, I thought he won the first one. Second one, I thought Canelo won. And then who the hell knows what's going to happen here. But as we've indicated, you've got Canelo who has moved perfectly into his prime. Granted, this venture at 175 has not gone exactly to plan. But in general, he's very much in his prime. And you've got Triple G who has moved out of his prime. But still somewhere not too far from it, right? As we saw against Murata. A little bit of trouble early and then just demolished him late. So, okay, fair enough. I think that the titles being on the line, the 168, is a is just a huge part of why this one should be taken a little bit more seriously than maybe some skeptics think that it should. And I also have to say, the fact that he didn't go back to the Bivol well, to me, is really kind of interesting and important here. I don't know exactly why he did, and I'm going to ask you why you think he did. But to me... I think he is intensely motivated by the Bivol fight. And I think he subsequently, this is my theory, BC, see what you think of it. I think he went back and he watched it and thought about it and realized he was a little bit further away from winning than he wanted to be, but still believes he can do it. In order to do that, I think wants to get in more work, uh, more game planning, more strategizing, something. Some, he wants to get right again, get, get, you know, go into that fight again with a W behind him, which, of course, he did this time, but if you went to the, re- the, the rematch with Bivol, it would not be that case. I think there's a lot of factors about using this as something of a... Not that he's, not that he's looking past it, but I still think he has his, his sights set on a rematch with Bivol, but wants to make sure that when he goes into it, every T is crossed and every die is odded. Uh, 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 I is dotted, yes. And to get there, he has to go through this the right way. Does that make sense? It does. I don't agree that's his lead motivation. I agree what, with what you're saying is a is a partial percentage of the pie chart. Yes. And also, you know, you talk about a potential brand reviver, which is what you were basically saying. If he goes in there and knocks out 
Golovkin and, you know, puts a hammer on to end their rivalry there and, and say, forget about the judging controversy, right? Like, I handled you every time in terms of the, the judge's opinion and now the opinion of me knocking you out. Yeah, he's going to go into that B-ball fight. That fight's going to be even bigger and all that. But, dude, I think this is 75% more uh, business and financial related. And here's why. I think he had to... I think it was already contracted that that I don't know this for sure, but the but the win or lose based on the first Bivol fight that this Triple G fight was definitely going to happen this fall. So I think there was some potential, you know, actual contract leverage in there mixed with this part. Look, Canelo can do whatever he wants. He's the number one. He can go wherever he wants. He's he's no one has the leverage he has. But the zone built their entire entire model in what they're doing in boxing on the idea of getting Canelo triple G three to be sort of the first fight when initially they were pitching non-pay-per-views, right? We're, we're, we're the, we're the anti-pay-per-view provider. That was sort of the fight they looked at. This is how we're going to compete with everybody else in the space. Well, since then they've done a good job, you know, kind of competing and building up their image, even without getting that, even though they signed Canelo that, that huge deal. And even triple G they signed for way more money than they should have, but really under the idea that this is going to guarantee the third fight. Well, it didn't happen. Canelo didn't want it. I still don't think he actually wants it, but now Canelo's back and happy again with the zone and Eddie Hearn as his promoter. And I, I think part of that Luke was either contractually obligated to, or just look, I know the fans want this. I know the network wants, it. I know the promotion wants it. It's going to be a lot of money. Canelo knows he's going to be favored. Yeah, let's appease the fans and, and everybody, and then we'll go back to doing what I'm doing. And I like that Canelo essentially said that publicly in the past few days that, okay, we'll do Triple G next, but I'm going to come back after that and fight Bivol again. And whether that's misguided or not, you got to love the, the, the competitor in Canelo to say that, in my opinion. And whatever got him back here, Luke, whether it's completely my percentage breakdown or more of what you're saying, um, the sport could use this fight. I think it's going to be, you know, I think all those factors coming in are going to make it feel bigger than it would have if Canelo hadn't lost. But Luke, here's my biggest fear for Triple G. Not just that the reflexes have slowed and that he's gotten into sort of brawls with guys in some cases he wouldn't have or shouldn't have in the past, right? He got the win, beat Murata in Japan, survived that war with Derevinchenko, right? Even like the Steve Rolls fight. Even these fights, you're like, man, why is he taking this? Why are these guys hitting him flush? I've never seen that before. Um, if you do notice one thing, Luke, unless Canelo was standing right in front of Triple G like he did in the second half of their rematch, Triple G could not catch up to Canelo's speed with his left hook or his right power hand at all in the first two fights. Meaning the first fight, Triple G won that basically on his jab. Triple G's footwork, fundamentals, and setups are so damn strong that once he starts angling you and cutting off the ring, he's going to get his jab in and he scored with it. But go back and watch the highlights from that first fight in particular, dude. Anytime Triple G would sit down and try to throw real shots, Canelo got the F out of there. So Canelo now for that rematch, to his credit, was more offensive and just came at Triple G. And, you know, they had some great sequences in there. But I'm not confident, especially now two, three years older, that Triple G is going to be able to stay with Canelo's speed for this fight to be fun, Luke, and for Triple G to have a chance. He's got to just basically, in my opinion, be like, fuck it. Uh, knock me out then. Because he's going to put himself in that position, Luke. Do you agree also, with that in theory? I think he's in gonna theory, have to... yeah. Yeah, I would. But I got to tell you, that's not... Okay, well, I don't know what my top concern for Triple G is. That might be one of them. I think you raise a pretty good point, actually. Let me spit it right back to you, though, because this is just where my head's at, and I don't know how valid this is. 
I got to tell you, Dervianchenko and Murata were hurting him in ways I did not see previous opponents be able to. Wow. Like, Kell Brook, like, granted, was coming up, whatever. But, dude, Kell Brook was still fucking hammer, too, man. Like, he couldn't really do shit to him. Uh, granted, this is a 168. You know, this is a completely different weight class. So this is a different time in their career. But, dude, Murata was hurting him to the body. Dervianchenko was, was, was matter-of-factly slowing him down. How durable is not I'm not saying the chin so much, but how durable is Triple G anymore? Well, okay, we're gonna find out is the first answer. But number two, that's the key question. Luke, he has one of the greatest chins that I've ever seen. And I don't think he even gets enough love. The dude's never been down. Like go but there's sequences in the Danny Jacobs fight, Luke, where he took like two, three flush combinations in which his head and neck and chin got like jacked. And dude, he just keeps coming. I mean, every time Canelo, even in the second fight, was lighting him up, maybe Triple G took like a quarter step, neutral, deep breath, but he's coming right back to throw. I've always asked him, because I've interviewed him a million times, um, and he's a joy to talk with. I've, I love me some Triple G, but I've always said, like, dude, you had like 250 amateur fights, you know, you have another, or 350, you have another 50, you know, closing and pro fights probably by the end, like, you know, 400 fights total. Like, you never been down? He's like, no. And I'm like, you never even been buzzed? And no. And I always ask him that kind of a joke, but I keep asking him it. And look, you know, I even asked him about the Danny Jacobs, the Canelo fights. He's like, no, I don't feel anything. It was normal. So, Luke, there's a cyborg in there. How much will he need of that? Does he have enough left to outlast, you know, what Canelo is going to give him? That's why we tune in. It could go bad, but he also might have one more stand in him, Luke, where he's willing to take zombie-like damage to keep throwing back. You never know, dude. You know, you can't count him out here. You cannot Bro, you count You should out. be a boxing promoter. No one believes in the implausible and unlikely narratives of boxing more than you. It's amazing. I which mean, I almost say, which I say complimentary, spirit. actually, because you're a hardcore boxing fan, you know? You're going to be you're gonna be dark and angry and cynical all the time if you don't have some romanticized pro wrestling movie angle to look at every fight, for sure. But, uh, dude, the one, th okay, the one thing about Triple G along with that chin, Luke, still punches really freaking hard. The only guy who's been able yes. to, like, you know, make Canelo do things that Canelo didn't want to, more or less, short of Bivol... And dude, he does have that that technique and that like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be easy for Canelo to straight up outbox him if he wanted to go that route. Like, they're gonna have to fight, dude. So, all right, let's let's see. Yeah, I'm back in. I'm back in all the way now, Luke. Also, this is going to be on DAZN pay-per-view, which when it was sold to us in this market, DAZN was explicitly explicitly sold as. Oh, you see those other dumbasses paying for pay-per-views each time? Just pay us once a month and you get everything. Now there is an entire division known as DAZN pay-per-view because, hello, that business model doesn't work for shit. So here we I'm are. I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I know. seriously. We have a fifth topic. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I, we we kind of touched on it on the, on the Monday show, which was this Ice Wars thing. But did you... I mean, I, I just wanted to say a couple things about it, BC. I mean, this is like... I don't know. It's it's a weird it's a weird thing. It, it, it probably would have been better on Monday, but the only point I wanted to make here is, dude, like, if you watch Ice Wars, I want to be very clear about this, <laughs> dude. These are the drug addicts who will like go to a Seven Eleven and buy all of the uh, 
NyQuil they can just to get the codeine out to mix it together in their bathtub together. It's your friend who watches so much pornography that nothing does it for them anymore. And they have to find the most like awful and rancid varieties just to feel normal. If you're an MMA fan who has watched Ice Wars, that's you. You're the guy who has shoplifted NyQuil uh, to go so drink you're saying I've often called BKFC the last stop, the bottom of the Dude, BKFC of the is Versailles compared to compared to Ice Wars. You're saying that Ice Wars is Circus Circus on the Vegas Strip, and <laughs> BKFC is like MGM Grand, right? That's basically what you're saying. Right now. Ice Wars is not even Circus Circus. Ice Wars is if the Bang Bus is being driven around and you get into it for a ride. I That's mean, it's, it's targeting extremes, the, the extreme CTE market. I mean, you're basically going after, <laughs> like, washed-up minor league journeyman hockey goons. You know what I mean? Like, that's like the market. And I get it because it's run by the guys who had the Danbury Trashers minor league hockey team, which is right down, you know, the road from where I grew up. And that was a thing for a couple of years. Like, you knew if you went to those games with your friends, like, you were going to, like, we didn't know about the mafia backing or maybe we didn't follow the news close enough to know. But I knew more of that, like, oh, like, that whole hockey thing is built around fighting like there's not like they don't i don't even know if they care if they win they, obviously they did we saw the documentary on how they you know bought all these players and stuff and it's it's a fun nostalgic story but like those guys are about fighting and aj galante the son end up becoming a, a boxing promoter and manager uh for some time so i get it but man that's who's buying that luke hockey fans or fight fan you're saying basically the like the people that will you know those people we love on, on Twitter, Luke, that, that watch every single boxing and MMA pay-per-view and tweet about it? You know those guys. Yeah, they, they, yeah they... but even they aren't, like, super big on Ice Wars. Like, they'll pay attention to it, you know, because, yes, they're in that life. But I'm talking about the people who are like, if you watched Ice Wars beginning to end, it's a, a 100. Like, you know that joke where it's like, all oh, these bloggers in their mom's basement. No, for real, you're in your mom's basement. Like, like. I realize that that's a joke that most people are not in their mom's basement, and then the mom's basement is supposed to be metaphorical. But Ice Wars fans, you can't have an actual job and watch that, right? Like, if you are at all fuckable oh, wow. to someone who oh. is, you know, like to all whoever right, it is. That here you- we go. What did- <laughs> I mean, do you fuck chigs? I mean, what are we doing? We're trying to. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I don't mean like in a bully sense. But I'm just saying, are you remotely human enough to make you know uh, yourself? sexually attracted to whoever it is you're trying to make yourself sexually attracted to like the kind of depravity and like how much time you have on your hands to watch something like this is dude bkfc is like several levels above this i just find it like they are really there's a there's do you put it best bt it's the cte market it's like dude fuck all this rules about health and safety and all this shit and like these are real athletes and whatnot no i want to see people get fucked up For the purposes of watching them get fucked up. Like, this is what, you know, Faces of Death was when we were small, right? The whole idea of, like, no, there's real deaths. No, but, like, the sell to us was like, oh, my God, I'm going to pay this to see real deaths. And you got that. And then do you remember in the early 2000s, uh, Bum Fights was, like, the the greasy, gross bottom of the food chain video? Like, we devoured those at that age. They went went along with recreational drugs perfectly. It was a a nice marriage, you know? Um, (laughs) How many times have you you watched Bum Fights? I mean, bum fights are kind of like what Barstool is now, right? In a way, it's like it's tapping into that market. I was that market, Luke. I've seen every bum fights there is. Now, looking back, it was pretty gross. It's, it's basically Yeah, I mean, there's like, been times in my life where I was like, oh, yeah, let's watch these people who just agreed to street fight in the uh, street, and then, you know, it was no big deal. But as you get older, you're like, wow, that's really, 
Wow, we are the lowest of the low. We are well, the dude, barnacle on the ship. To be fair, when we, when I first started watching the Kimbo backyard ones, I got that same feeling. It's it's a grimy feeling that like you know it's gross, but you're also like, man, this is fucking cool. I mean, dude, what the first time you watched Sean Gannon versus Kimbo in that warehouse, dude? That that's some gr- some grimy real shit going on, Luke. That's closer to Faces of Death than than any of those videos, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, again, but that's not like that was a one-off fight between people who agreed to it. That's different than someone being like, "Hey, we have a brand." <laughs> And our whole brand is just brain damage. That's just what we don't do shit else. We don't do shit else. It's just that. Like, like, dude, there's going to be, you know how like slap fighting started on hip hop radio stations and then kind of turned into something? Yeah. You know, I don't know if Ice Wars is going to do that per se, but like it's on par with slap fighting. Like it's just, the, 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 it's going to evolve into like people just show up and then someone hits them in the head with a hammer and then they live stream it on YouTube. It's like, a, it's going to turn into a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Are you saying our number one fan, uh, Damien the Donk of, of the 209, might be an Ice Wars uh, customer? Is that what you're saying? Listen, I'm saying if we broadcast from an Ice Wars event, do you think they would put us in the concourse or would they put oh, us? Oh, wow. God, that's a good inside joke. I mean, that's a knockout blow right there. That is so good. Wow. Yes. <laughs> it's a joke. We should create it's a, a, joke. a Reddit page just for that, Luke. That's it's so a good. joke. It's a joke. I'm just saying it's a joke. All right. All right. Uh, Luke, let's uh, transition to our next segment in which uh, yes, every week we give you, the fan, the opportunity to be heard, seen, to have us judge whether you should be sleeping with your students in France. You know what I'm saying, David? Like, I mean, I mean, you know, is that a little, a little, a little creepy there? They do documentaries about guys like you. You know, I, I probably would have thought you were my hero 20 years ago, but I've matured, David. Thank you. Uh, all right, Luke, the whole point is morningcombat at gmail.com is your entry into this vortex of uh, of uh, weirdness at MemK. Um, uh, I'm being told right now by Mikey that uh, David A. has a... Uh, Wild submission for next week. Okay, he now I'm looking forward. He said apparently submitted it too late this week, but okay, we'll see you next week. Okay, okay. I didn't think this guy cared of you know limitations of age or consent. I mean, that, you know, whatever. All right, the whole point is uh, you want to show yourself wearing our merch. That's the email address to find out. That's where you meet Mikey. You're not getting us. Don't don't DM. Don't get in my DMs with this kind of bullshit. Hit that email right there for Friday Dead Wrongs and every Wednesday right here when we do fan submissions. We've got male viewers. Yes. Yes. Luke, name name five female MK viewers. You can't, right? Name, try, well, you can try. cross off any family member that I have. So that's <laughs> Okay, na- try to name three. Can you name any? Do you can you name any? Can you name one? Uh uh the RV couple. There's one there. Jen Bill and Jen, yep, yep. Good old yep. Norm, yep, yep. Um Melissa loves nachos, Luke. Okay, that's two. That's two. That's two. Um, Snarky red ginger. Come on. I guess that'd be three. I couldn't. I couldn't name more. Nicola from the chat from from the UK. Oh Luke, yeah, Nicola. Yeah. 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 You're like yeah. She 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 ain't South American, is she? <laughs> all right. All right, Luke. Uh, let's start off with our first submission from a man named Scott. He says, "Lucas, rate this bitch ass office gym." I mean. For an office gym, it's not that bad. You got you got the rower, you got the you got the um, cardio machine. You got a few cardio machines, some stairmaster. I can't see the dumbbells. Um, over his you head, got, Luke. 
You got a well, you got a uh, you I, I know, but I'm saying I can't see how like how heavy they go. I can only see that there's a few of them. He's got an adjustable bench and he's got a cross trainer in the back back corner. I mean, you can you can make that work. It's fairly low T though, Luke, you'd say overall. Yeah, it's like one step up from the Howard Johnson hotel where people just like, you know, overdose in their sleep and have to get pulled off of their shit stained mattress with a spatula. But yes. Where they have a gym slash mother's room. You know, like they, you know, it's, yeah, it's great. Okay. All right. Uh Luke, this one's from Saul. And he says, uh, oh, this is gonna be that bearded guy who with the with the chicks, right? Yeah, that's our guy right there. Yeah. Uh, he says, oh, look at that pup. He says, Sunday Funday took the dogs named Floyd and Booker to mingle at the Bluegrass Pug Fest. There were hundreds of pugs and very other fine dogs. With no training whatsoever, I signed Booker up to the dog race, and he came in second place. Yeah, get that Bro, shit. how many people with annoying uh, whiskey or uh, IPA opinions are there at the Bluegrass Pug oh, yes, Festival? Yeah. IPA opinions. Uh, Saul went on to say he got a baggie of treats and a custom second place cookie. And of course, I have to rep the award winning show merch and spreading the gospel of MK all day, every day, including at the Pug Fest. That's Saul, uh, Luke, Rook, Ruka. Yes, Ruka. Ruka Thomas is my name. Uh, (laughs) the The dogs are tremendous and the shirt is tremendous. This gentleman is tremendous. I can only imagine the human dude going to a bluegrass pug festival. That's like one step up from like the Renaissance festival, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, those dude, can we talk? Can we? <laughs> I mean, remember when W. Kamau Bell was like, "We need to talk about Bill Cosby." Look, we need to talk about the people that go to those Renaissance fairs in costume and really oh, just, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, dude, just they've just given up on life. I mean, that's, yeah. they just punted completely. It's like I had this bean and cheese burrito from 7-Eleven on the way here, you know, in your car with no AC in the middle of August, just so you can dress up (laughs) from a time of like basically human despair is really the reality there. Uh, Luke, do you um, do you think those those same people go to uh, uh, Cannibal Corpse concerts? No, it's a different kind of loser. It's probably a crossover. They probably like prog rock, though, so I probably cross it. It's, dude, I told you, it's like when you go to WrestleMania and you're like, oh, it's going to be dudes just like me, like fight fans and sports fans there, right? Uh, no, <laughs> it's a Halloween party. They just didn't tell you you're supposed to show up dressed like your favorite no, wrestler. It's going to be a Halloween party with type 2 diabetes everywhere. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. Wow, dude. With bed sores, right? There you go. Okay, let's just keep it going. Uh, This one's from Kent. Oh, by the way, we're insulting all of these people like we're better. We're we're at at bare minimum uh, just as bad. Probably fucking worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to be like you, and now we're just a tiny bit cooler. Just, just I mean, barely. Um, this is Kent saying, hello, BC and LT. I'm an avid recreational Muay Thai practitioner and overall combat fan, so imagine my excitement when I saw this donk hat hanging in the changing room of my gym. No Someone way. else other than my girlfriend I complained to about Luke's inability to figure out consumer technology, I thought. I waited outside the change room to see who would walk out with it. Alas, no one did. This went on for about a week. I soon figured out that much like BC's commitment to overall liver health, it had been abandoned. <laughs> it's probably... Uh, uh, no coincidence that shortly thereafter I kept seeing another member wearing a Hawani nose t-shirt. All jokes aside, keep up the good work. Love the show. 
And if the hat in the changing room is there next time, I'll give it to the Jay Aaron treatment and begrudgingly give it a home. It's love from Toronto, Kent. If you're going to give it the Jay Aaron treatment, throw it in the garbage. Yeah, yeah, get rid of it, please. Uh, indeed, no, that's uh, okay, Luke. I mean, that wasn't that RJ's idea. We'll 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 hide free MK merch in every gym and uh, and you know other establishment in the country. We're like, no, our listeners don't work out. Please don't. I tell you what, though, yeah, they don't lift weights at all. I, I would yeah. tell you though, I would be very happy if like I randomly was in walking around town and I saw someone with MK merch. That would that would make me very happy. Yeah, would you would you shout them out? They, you yeah, know, I would, because it definitely would mean that I would not run into my family because there would be no chance on earth they would wear it. So yeah. uh, it would be a stranger. Are you saying, look, uh, does Pepe have like any side of him where he'd be like, yo, tweeting out just to his followers of like fine females being like, yo, rep my brother-in-law's show, Morning Combat? No. No. He wouldn't wear a, like a, a MK hat or any. There's nothing to do, with to do like with. yard work or something. It would clash with his libido, probably, Luke. I, yeah. I hear you there. All right. Uh, Bob says, uh, this is me doing my two favorite movements, bar muscle ups and snatches. Uh, Luke can try and guess the weight on the bar, but it's 195. I just wanted to let you two young whippersnappers know that it's never too late. Hey, that's pretty at, good. At 46, I'm still trying to be the biggest gym rat on earth at 6'2", 230. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, not the cleanest snatch on earth, but uh, the muscle up was really nice. And no, 46. I was talking about him, not, not his, you. T- <laughs> You're talking about his form, Luke. Yes, yes. Didn't he ask me to? Me yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was just, I was just doing skits and bits. Sorry, Luke. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of problems with the snatch, but I mean, he's a hobbyist, so like, whatever, he's working on it. Like, there's not, you know, it's fine. Thank uh, you for and wearing he's 46. our merch. Yeah, well, well done, Bob. I'm sure he's probably got higher tea than me, though. But I, he's, oh. I mean, he's out there working. You know? Yeah, he's got higher tea than both of us combined. Yeah, probably. All right, this is from Andrew. He says, "Hey guys, I've been working on this a while, listening to the last couple, uh, last couple of podcasts. I've really got this out the, of the full habit picture of making art. So this is a bit of a rusty attempt. Still got a good laugh out of the final result. Hopefully, you two will laugh as well. Keep up the good work. It's Andrew S." He included a safe for work, aka unfunny edition, Luke, just in case uh, it went, just in case the crude drawing was above BC, isn't safe to air. So, Luke, uh, the the non safe for work edition had uh, our thoughts in a bubble above it, right? And your thoughts were like the stuff that uh, Matt Damon was writing on the board in Goodwill Hunting, like the the math quadratic equations in Harvard, and mine was. Uh, <laughs> Two boobs in a uh, in a in a hot dog to hold in between the bun, Luke. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there it is. All right, there it is. There it is. <laughs> I mean, uh, thank you. This is this is my full time job. Thank you. Okay. I don't have anything to add to that. I just want you to stew in your ignominy. Yeah, that's great. Okay, Henry is here. Uh, hey, guys, just like to say a huge thanks for all the entertainment over the last 300 episodes. You guys have helped me drown out the dribbling bullshit of white trash passengers on my three-hour train commutes many a time. Here I am enjoying the show at home after completely blowing out my shoulder playing rugby over the weekend. It was the single most painful moment of my life, but vaping on that damn anesthetic hit different. Anyway, much love, fellas. 
Hope to see you on the shores sometime. It's your biggest British P1 fan. It's Henry. Luke, any thoughts I, I, on this? How do you imagine, you know, because like the, the British equivalent of Jersey Shore was Geordie Shore. Oh, yeah, the Geordie Shore, yep. Yeah, how, 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 like, how do their dirtbags compare to ours? Oh, they're similar. Do you know the boxer, the Sandman, Lewis Ritson, who's no. from the Geordie Shore, draws massive crowds to like that Newcastle area all around there um, when he fights. His, nickname, his secondary nickname is Geordie Golovkin. Which is hilarious. I guess. To me, I guess. (laughs) To boxing fans. All right. Sorry, Luke. Uh, Back to Henry. Did you like his uh, living room, Luke? His cord management? His uh, his cord, yes. His uh, cable management is not bad. It's not bad. And uh, his shoulder looks like shit. But, you know, as a guy who's had a bunch of shoulder problems, I say, welcome to the club. Isn't rugby like, like driving a motorcycle without a helmet, Luke? Or, yeah, or, I had a friend of mine who played semi-pro rugby, so he wasn't good enough for like the high level, but he, he was pretty good. And uh, and he was telling me that they would have like alumni weekends, you know, for like people who used to play. And he was like, "Dude, half of them come back and they're they're drooling, like they can't talk, and it's all kinds of shit." Yeah, he, that's exactly what he said, dude. He said it was bad. He said like the CTE in rugby is extraordinary. Wow. Wow, Luke. Yeah. Well, for okay. Hey, this, this let's get Bob in here to make us happy. Rate my gym. It's built in response to the pandemic. Let's see what Bob's doing here. This looks like the shelter of a serial a- killer. No, dude, that's an organized home gym right there, Luke. Look that at that. That is an organized Luke. home gym, although I would not put your barbells like that, but Oh boy, he's got a fan. He's got MK. Oh no, actually, TV. he's got a lot of stuff. He's got kettlebells. He's got women's weights. He's got men's weights. He's got a board there for programming. He's got pull-up bars. I don't see a squat rack though. Like a place. Well, I guess you could rack it on the front of the uh, pull-up bar. But you see how? I, I'll show you one thing. And you're gonna say, "Oh, this is all pedantic," and it is. This is this home gym is much nicer than mine. To be clear, like in every way, it's nicer. But one thing, pay attention to how the barbells are standing straight up and down. In the little container. Keep going. Keep going. Don't stop. You stop right there. Right there. See that? See the barbells are up and down? That will shorten the life of them over time. You'll you'll ruin your own barbells doing that. The springs inside are not meant for sideways loading. My dad doesn't like when you do it that way. I I always had to say that to the other kids, Luke, because my dad was a lot like you, Luke. In what way was your dad like me? Well, it's weird that you both look exactly alike right now. This is just weird. Um, but, you know, it was just, you know, my dad's very careful and knows everything like you do. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Sounds like your dad rocks. You can call me dad if it makes you feel better. <laughs> no, it, I do, it wouldn't. It wouldn't at all. Okay. Okay. All I right. will allow Poppy I, as well. You can call me Poppy. Yeah. Uh, you, don't call me daughter, though. Okay. Don't <laughs> you know, call me daughter. Uh, this is Alex saying, what's up, donks? I paused Monday's show to create this meme. Love the content. It's Alex from Atlanta. Hot Atlanta, apparently. BC making Luke watch Rolly Romero. <laughs> <laughs> was good. It was good entertainment. You know, Luke, sometimes we put through, we, on days that really have no business to, we tend to put out our best content, you know? It's true. It's true. And this, this meme is hilarious. Dude, no one gets into the minutia of Roly Romero's life more than Brian Campbell. I mean, not oh, even yeah. his coach. What was his coach's name? Like Bullet something? Bullet. Yeah, Bullet yeah. was his coach. Not even yeah. Bullet has the appetite for it that you do. 
Yeah, uh, appetite for destruction. Uh, this is from Danger Mouse. He says, hey, BC, much like Luke's gallbladder problems, your boy Danger Mouse is back. Kind of funny last week, I sent in the fan sub about Room Service Diaries about 20 minutes before you announced its return, which brings me to the first meme. I'm not sure if either of you guys are fans of the book or TV miniseries Generation Kill? Kit? Kill? Generation six- Kill, yes. I suspect Luke might have seen it because it's about his beloved Marine Corps. So yes, after I'm his rant it. about the Air Force last week, which would, did not go down well with the Air Force guys in the chat room, I decided to give him a starring role in this meme. Uh, Luke, I'm sure that chat room's full of... Uh, uh, normally, ma- I came uh, up with Delta. Yeah, I mean, listen, people could say what they want about my service. My service was exemplary. I did a great job, and uh, there's nothing anyone can do to impugn it, so... Did, Make the jokes. I got, I got one one message to Danger Mouse. Do you do you like your freedom? How do you like Thank your him. freedom? Thank him. All right. I like it with Thank my him. fries. Freedom fries. Thank this reservist, okay, for getting your back, biatch. Right. That's right. Yeah. Look, you're like a non-fighting Tim Kennedy. You're a hero. <laughs> Let's go over to Connor. He says, "Happy Wednesday, my dudes. Here are my memes for your." perusal really digging the revamped rsd looking forward to what's to come in the future uh it's <laughs> wow look that's that's uh whose body is that is that brian barbarina i what think is that? it's brian barbarina's or oh yeah, my god that naval tattoo says 49 times Luke. does it really like blow back <laughs> up blow back up i couldn't read it <laughs> okay that's really good that's really funny. <laughs> oh, and the that's best part so is, good. BC, the best part is, is even if I got on TRT, I don't think my physique would look any better than that. <laughs> is that an Armenian flag in your right hand there, Luke? No, that's the Colombian flag. It's Colombian Oh, flag. sorry about that. That's why it has to be Barbarina, because he's the only one who comes out with, well, that's not true. Some other guys do it as well, but I'm pretty sure that's Brian Barbarina. All right. All right. Uh, Connor had two photos. Am I missing one here? Yeah, here's the second one. What, is he, what do we got here? <laughs> I mean, look, you could have like, a dude, little flavor. It, not just, it, was like, it doesn't just say verbatim. It says verbatim in all caps, bolded, italicized, and underlined. And BC's like, that's just a suggestion. I'm like, I, I don't think that's a suggestion, bro. I mean, I got all the words in, Luke. I just tried to put a little pepper on that steak. You know what I mean? But that's tried not verbatim. Su- that's not what verbatim, verbatim means. Just read it exactly as it is. Yes, 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 officer. Uh, finally, Todd says, Walk hi, guys. the line, touch your nose. I started thinking about MK Delta 8 and thought you could use some branding. Ooh, I like this. What do we got here? Delta 13? Eight. No, that's 8, Luke. 5 plus 3 in the Roman numeral? Come on. Is it 5 plus 3? Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yes, it is. My mistake. Yes. From the land of wind and ghosts. I got to say... We look way too cool. Like, yeah, I kind of like this. I kind of like this a lot. Yeah. I, I feel uncomfortable about it because, like, anytime... Here's the thing. I like sharing artwork where we look bad because I know that, like... Not that we won't get clowned for it. We still would. But, like, I don't know. When we share artwork of us where we look too cool, I'm always like, dude, someone's going to know that I really don't look this cool and they're going to say it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I have a hard yeah. time sharing it. Um, the, I mean, they do a lot where they give us like muscles and stuff and like abs and I yeah, it's I, like, no, I don't know. No, I'm not he man, but no, I like this cause it's got an Illuminati feel to it. Luke, right. Uh, 
Uh, does it? It has more like a psychedelic feel to it. Yeah, they, you know, they could, they could go together in the right world, depending on what record I'm playing, Luke. You know, you never know. Um, that's it, though, for fan submissions this week. Morning Combat at gmail.com is the receptacle that you can toss that shit into if you want to get on this show or if you think we've said something wrong for Friday. Now, just a reminder that we will not be having a traditional live Friday show, but at 11 a.m. Eastern Time Friday, the same time that we normally go, you're going to get that episode two of the revamped Room Service Diaries uh, interview series. And it's Sean Brady, 15-0 and 0 UFC welterweight contender, uh, knocking on that door. So, uh, Luke, we took him to the casting couch. He came in looking one way. He came out with a drug rug. So, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sorry. Luke was right. V in Roman numerals is five and X is ten. I was about to say, I could have sworn X was... Yeah, yeah I mean, so that was that was actually ready. that was actually thirteen because it comes after I mean, it came before it'd be three minus ten it'd be seven. I mean, you did save your college notes, so I'm going to go with you in the end on this, Luke, dude. Why right? do you think that is disreputable? I would love to know what is disreputable. What do you think the percentage that? is of our 109,000 YouTube subscribers that still that still have their college notes, Luke? Dude, I'm not living in a way where I'm prescribing it as something others should do. It's I don't understand why I shouldn't do it. Like, look, if you it, didn't want look, to keep the notes, just chuck them. But if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. That's what right? I'm saying, bro. That's what I'm saying. But I'm not Luke, trying to tell you how to live. If it if it makes you happy, then why the hell are you so sad? Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, <laughs> dude. My mom, my mom brought this up, and every time I, I now that I've heard it, I can never hear it anymore. I never tell stories about my mom, but this is one I would tell. Which was she hated Cheryl Crow for like the like the worst reason ever, and it was always you know what her reason was. If you go back and you listen, once you hear it, you'll never be able to unhear it. the The line of the song is "All I wanna do is have some fun," right? Yeah. But if you listen closely, she doesn't really say "have." All she ever says is "All I wanna do is have some fun," and it used to drive my mom fucking crazy. And now when I hear it. I'm always like, yo, mom was right about this woman. She fucking Wait, did, sucks. Did it sound like an Armenian swear? No, it just bothered my mom that she was like, why can't this singer fully enunciate? You can yeah, see where yeah, I get it yeah. from. You know what I'm saying? I can see. Yeah, I can see where you where you get it from. <laughs> but uh, shout out to our uh, to Sean Brady, to our fine listeners and watchers. Yes. Um, uh, you know, Luke, um, I don't know. Actually, I don't know what I was about to say. You know I mean? It's a slow week, dude. It's a slow play week. On, I mean, player. Tank, tank yeah. versus Roly is there to like throw a lifeline to us, and I'm happy for it. But in the totality of everything, it's a bit of a slow week. It's yeah, slow Memorial week. Day weekend. Um, so, I, th- you know, we're almost signing off here, Luke, in some ways. We almost are. want to remind everyone, if you want to get Showtime, Showtime.com is the label that pays. You can go to Showtime.com, 30-day free trial if you like it. You can keep it. As a reminder, Tank versus Roly this weekend, however – will be on Showtime PPV, pay-per-view. I think you can go to Showtime.com slash PPV, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah. for that. Uh, so that will be on Saturday in Brooklyn, New York. BC will be there. I have to watch my kids, so I will not. We will uh, be having uh, a few special things. If you like all- Morning Combat and you like all things uh, Showtime Boxing here with this great matchup, uh, I will be part of the weigh-in team, as I mentioned. That goes down uh, Friday at noon Eastern on uh, Showtime Sports uh, social media and YouTube channels. And also there's going to be a post MK show of some kind 
in Brooklyn, New York, your boy BC, maybe some special guests after Davis Romero on Saturday. There may be even something else too. So keep 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 your eyes and ears posted. All right. Thank How you. many times do you now? Are you are you, if you're staying in Brooklyn? Are you going to Uber Eats? Or are you just going to walk around? No, I'm going to Uber Eats, bro. All right. <laughs> What's the Uber Eats go to, dude? Why would you Uber Eats in fucking Brooklyn, New York? Just go outside. I mean, I've 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 done that, dude. I've, I've been going to the Barclays a long time. You know what I'm saying, Luke? Now I try to stay in the room because the first time I was exploring and some guy gave me the CD and I'm like, I don't want the CD. You know? And then he's like, No, I really want you to have the CD. And I was like, All right, if you really like, if if, if that's the only way this conversation is going to end, me taking the CD, then I wish you well. I'll give it a listen. You know, see you at the Waterbury Open next week. You know, basically. But Luke, then the guy's following me down the street, and then you know, basically in the end, it was I, I divorced the CD. I said, I'm, I'm no longer in it, okay? Like, I'm just, you know, it's not me. It's, it's, it's you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want this. And then, you know, Luke, I came back afterwards, and everybody's like, dude, you took the CD? You don't ever take the CD, right? Yeah, I never take it. I know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's uh, there it is. There, All right, there it is. Uh, let's okay. see. Uh, BC already gave you the email. You can follow us on social. We have, we do have a lot of content coming your way between now and uh, and let's say Saturday night. So be on the lookout, obviously, for all of that. You know how to reach us. You know who sponsors us. Thanks to AG One and all of our other sponsors for Brian Campbell for CBS Sports for Showtime and for Malka. We appreciate you guys watching. We'll see you next time. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal. Yeah.